windows. The brown wooden shutters are closed to block the view. The television beaming toward his desk is tuned to CNBC. The sound is muted, but the crawl at the bottom of the screen feeds him news all day long. Over the years, to his pleasure, the news has often been about him. Only a few people, however, actually know him well. I have been acquainted with him for six years, originally as a financial analyst covering Berkshire Hathaway stock. Over time, our relationship has turned friendly, and now I will get to know him better still. We are sitting in Warren's office because he is not going to write a book. The unruly eyebrows punctuate his words as he says repeatedly, You'll do a better job than I would, Alice. I'm glad you're writing this book, not me. Why he would say that is something that will eventually become clear. In the meantime, we start with the matter closest to his heart. Where did it come from, Warren? Caring so much about making money. His eyes go distant for a few seconds, thoughts traveling inward, flip, flip, flip through the mental files. Warren begins to tell his story. Balzac said that behind every great fortune lies a crime. That's not true at Berkshire. He leaps out of his chair to bring home the thought, crossing the room in a couple of strides. Landing on a mustardy gold brocade armchair, he leans forward, more like a teenager bragging about his first romance than a 72-year-old financier. How to interpret the story? Who else to interview? What to write? The book is up to me. He talks at length about human nature and memory's frailty, then says, Whenever my version is different from somebody else's, Alice, use the less flattering version. Among the many lessons, some of the best come simply from observing him. Here is the first. Humility disarms. In the end, there won't be too many reasons to choose the less flattering version. But when I do, human nature, not memory's frailty, is usually why. One of those occasions happened at Sun Valley in 1999. Warren Buffett stepped out of his car and pulled his suitcase from the trunk. He walked through the chain-link gate onto the airport's tarmac, where a gleaming white Gulfstream IV jet waited for him and his family. As he climbed the boarding stairs, he said hello to the flight attendant and headed to a seat next to a window. His mood was buoyant. He had been anticipating this trip for weeks. His son Peter and daughter-in-law Jennifer, his daughter Susan and her boyfriend, and two of his grandchildren all settled into their own leather club chairs set around the 45-foot-long cabin. They swiveled their seats away from the curved wall panels to give themselves more space as the flight attendant brought drinks from the galley. She brought Buffett an armload of newspapers along with a basket of potato chips and a cherry Coke. He told her that she could let the co-pilot know that they were ready to take off. Then he buried his head in a newspaper. For the next two hours, six people hummed around him, watching videos, talking, and making phone calls. Buffett never moved. He sat reading, hidden behind his newspapers, as if he were alone in his study at home. Some time later, the G-4 crossed the Snake River Plain and approached the Sawtooth Mountains. 
It sailed through the bright, clear air into the Wood River Valley. As the aircraft descended, the midday sun cast the plane's lengthening shadow over the old mining town of Haley, Idaho. A few seconds later, the wheels touched down on the Freedman Memorial Airport runway. By the time the Buffets had bounded down the stairs onto the tarmac, two SUVs had driven through the gate and pulled up alongside the jet, driven by men and women from Hertz. They all wore the company's gold and black shirts. Instead of Hertz, however, the logo said Allen and Company. The grandchildren bounced on their heels as the pilots unloaded the luggage. Then the Buffets climbed into the SUVs. About two minutes had elapsed since the plane's wheels first touched the runway. The Buffets followed the trail blazed by earlier SUVs a few miles onward from the airport to the tiny town of Ketchum. A few miles later, they rounded Dollar Mountain where a green oasis appeared, nestled among the...